Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 24 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. Number one, speak evil of no man, Titus 3.2, nor yet speak the evil you know of any man, except in these or the like cases. One, when you are thereunto lawfully called by authority. Two, when it is to those whom it concerns to reform and reclaim him of whom you speak, and you do it to that end. 1 Corinthians 1, 11. Three, when it is to prevent certain damage to the soul or estate of your neighbor. Acts 23, 16 which would ensue if it were not by you thus discovered. Four, when the concealment of his evil may make you guilty and accessory. Five, when some particular remarkable judgment of God is upon a notorious sinner for his sin, then to the end that God may be acknowledged in his judgments and that others may be warned or brought to repent of the same or like sin, you may speak of the evils of another, Psalm 52, 6 and 7. But this is not to speak evil, so long as you do it not in envy and malice to his person, nor with aggravation of the fault more than his cause, nor yet to the judging of him as concerning his final estate. Number two, when you shall hear any in your company speak evil of your neighbor by slandering, whispering, or tale-bearing, whereby he detracts from his good name, you must not only stop your ears at such reports, but must set your speech and countenance against him like a north wind against rain, Proverbs 25, 23. Number three, when you hear another well reported of, let it not be grievous to you, as if it detracted from your credit, but rejoice at it, inasmuch as God has enabled him to be good and to do good, all which makes for the advancement of the common cause of religion, wherein you are interested. Envy him not, therefore, his due praise. Number four, detract not from any man's credit, either by open backbiting, Psalm 15.3, or by secret whispering, Proverbs 16.28 or by any cunning means of casting evil aspersions, whether by way of pitying him or otherwise, as he is good or does well in such and such things, but, etc. This but mars all. Five, and in a word, in all speeches to men and communications with them, 
Your speech must be gracious. Colossians 4, 6. That which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace, not vice, to the hearers. It must not be profane, nor any way corrupt. Ephesians 4.29 As defiled with oaths, curses, or profane jests. It must not be flattering. Job 17.5 Nor yet detracting. Not bitter, not railing, censorious, or injurious to any man. Ephesians 4.31 It must not be wanton, lascivious, and filthy, Ephesians 5, 3 and 4, Colossians 3, 8. It must not be false, Colossians 3, 9, no, nor yet foolish, idle, and fruitless, for all evil communication does corrupt good manners, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And we must answer for every idle work which we speak. Matthew twelve thirty six. Besides, a man may easily be discerned of what country he is, whether of heaven or of the earth, by his language. His speech will betray him. Number six. There is no wisdom or power here below can teach and enable you to do all or any of the forementioned duties. This wisdom and power must be had from above. James 3, 13 to 18. Wherefore, if you would in all companies carry yourself worthy of the gospel of Christ, first, be sure that the law of God and the power of grace be in your heart, else the law of grace and kindness cannot be in your life and speech. Psalm 36, 30 and 31, Proverbs 31, 26. You must be endued, therefore, with a spirit of holiness, humility, love, gentleness, long-suffering, meekness, and wisdom, else you can never converse with all men as you ought to do. For such as the heart is, such the conversation will be. Out of the evil heart come evil thoughts and actions, Matthew fifteen nineteen. But a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and according to the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Matthew twelve, thirty-four and 35. A man must have the heart of the wise before the tongue can be taught to speak wisely. Proverbs sixteen twenty-three. Secondly, you must resolve beforehand, as David did, to take heed to your ways, that you sin not with your tongue, and that you will keep your mouth as with a bridle. Psalm 39.1 Before your speech and actions, be well advised. Weigh and ponder in the balance of reason, 
all your actions and words before you vent them. Thirdly, let no passion of joy, grief, fear, anger, etc. get the head and exceed their limits for wise and good men as well as bad. When they have been in any of these passions, have spoken unadvisedly with their lips. Job 3, 3, 23. Psalm 106, 32 and 33. Mark 9, 5 and 6. Jonah 4, 8 and 9. Mark 6, 22 and 23. And experience will teach you that your tongue never runs before your wit so soon as when you are over-afraid, over-grieved, over-angry, or overjoyed. Fourthly, you must be much in prayer unto God before you come into company, that you may be able to order your conversation aright. Let your heart also be lifted up often to God when you are in company, that he would set a watch before your mouth and keep the door of your lips, and that your heart may not incline to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. Psalm 141, 3 and 4. And that he would open your lips, that your mouth may show forth his praise. Psalm 51, 15. And that you may speak as you ought to speak, knowing how to answer every man. Colossians 4, 6. For the tongue is such an unruly evil that no man but God only can tame and govern it. James 3, 8. Section 2. Cautions and Directions Concerning Evil Company. When company is evil or sinful, if you may choose, come not into it at all. Proverbs 1, 15, 23 and 20, Psalm 26, 4 and 5. For keeping evil company will, number one, blemish your name. Number two, it will expose you often to many hazards of your life and state. 1 Kings 22, 29 to 32. Second Chronicles 18, 31 and 22, 6 through 9. Genesis 14, 11 and 12. And three, you are always in danger to be corrupted by the contagion and infection of it. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25. By bad company, I do not only understand seducers and such as are openly profane or riotous, but also such civil men who yet remain mere worldlings and all lukewarm professors who are strangers to the life and power of religion. For although the sins of these latter do not carry such a manifest appearance of gross impiety and dishonesty as those of open blasphemers, drunkards, adulterers, 
and the like, yet they are not less dangerous. Your heart will quickly rise against these manifest, enormous evils, but the other, by reason of their unsuspected danger, through that tolerable good opinion which in comparison is had of them, will sooner ensnare and infect you by an insensible chilling of your spirits and by taking off the edge of your zeal towards the power of godliness. And so, by little and little, draw you to a remissness and indifferency in religion and to a love of the world. If you shall think that by keeping evil company you may convert them and draw them to goodness, be not deceived. It is presumption so to think. Has not God expressly forbidden you such company? Proverbs twenty three twenty. If you be not necessarily called to be in sinful company, you may justly fear that you shall be sooner perverted. Psalm 106, 34 and 35, and made evil by their wickedness than that they should be converted and made good by your holiness. This concludes episode 24 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.